today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. never had problems, if everything were just going your way, you'd look down at others and say, look what they're going through. Only if they had faith like I did, they wouldn't be sick like that. Only if they did what I did. No, no, no. God is humbling us. And in the process of humbling us, he's giving us the ability to empathize with others who go through pain. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. God has planned out all our days. This includes both our good days and our bad days. Looking at Solomon's examination of life, Pastor Ed helps us understand why bad things happen to good people. He points out that lives without trials tend to create people who do not believe they need help. It can also create people who can't empathize with those who are struggling. Most importantly, troubles in life create a dependency on God. Knowing you need God is the greatest gift. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. There is not one totally good person on the earth, not one who is truly pure and sinless. There's not one except when Jesus came, except when the Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world. All of us have feet of clay. And so don't be quick to judge others. Don't be quick to point the fingers. Don't be quick to suddenly, oh, look what she, he. Then he goes on to say, not only look at the human condition, wisdom helps you see that. Wisdom helps you understand that people are imperfect because you are imperfect. And then he goes on to say, there are limitations on wisdom. Just again, that idea again of unexplainable. He said, I have always tried my best to let wisdom guide my thoughts and action. I said to myself, I'm determined to be wise, but it didn't work. Wisdom is always distant and difficult to find. Now, you've got to remember, this is Solomon speaking. God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. And he solved incredible problems and, and wrote insightful proverbs and had incredible insight. But there are limitations. There are some things that you come against that you simply have to write over it. Mystery. Don't try and unravel it. Don't try and take the mystery out of mystery. Recognize that there are limitations. He realized that there are some things that only God understands. And only God fully sees and knows. And you have to say, okay, God, I acknowledge that you are all wise. And you do all things well. Then he notices something else. 
the human condition, wisdom helps you navigate. You recognize people are flawed. You recognize that no one's perfect. You recognize that there are limitations. Some situations you just don't simply understand and you won't understand why certain things happen the way they do. And then there are pitfalls on the journey. He said, this is one of the things that wisdom taught me. I searched everywhere, determined to find wisdom, to understand the reason for things. I was determined to prove to myself that wickedness is stupid and that foolishness is madness. That's what he said. I was determined to do that. What he was saying is this, that immorality is destructive. It's a trap. And he uses an illustration. And this could go not only for women, but for men. In verse 26 of chapter 7, it says, I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap more bitter than death. Her passion is a snare. Her soft hands are chains. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her, but sinners will be caught in her snare. What it's saying is that immorality is absolutely dangerous. We live in a nation, we live in a time where it's rampant in our culture. Our culture is spiraling downwards. You have to be very careful what you watch on television and what channels and stations you get. You have to guard your heart and your eyes on what internet sites you visit. We live in a culture that is fraught with danger. And Solomon says, there's one thing for sure that wisdom has taught me, that immorality is dangerous. Now, he goes on to say, in verses 27 and 28, this is my conclusion, says the teacher. I discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible angle. Though I have searched repeatedly, I have not found what I was looking for. So he came to a dead end. He was, but one thing he did find out. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not one woman. Now, I want to make a comment. This was the text I was going to preach on Mother's Day. <laughs> but wisdom guided me that it would be best not to. <laughs> what in the world is Solomon saying? All right. Here's a possibility, and then I'll get a closer, closer to the text. But I was thinking about it, and I said this. Now, Solomon had concubines and wives, a thousand. Now, I don't know how any one man can handle that. A thousand. <laughs> Think about all the mother-in-laws. Think about all the birthdays you'd have to remember and the anniversaries. Man, now I, I could just picture. Now, most of those marriages, of course, were political marriages, but nevertheless, they were marriages. And um, could you picture the courting process? Some princess in some land, Solomon wants to marry you. And uh, he sends her a beautiful gold embroidered document. It was his first book written by Solomon, Song of Solomon. She reads it. 
Wow, what a man. We're going to have a great time. And she gets there, and it's not what she experiences. Not at all. One unhappy wife. Well, maybe I should say a thousand unhappy wives. Now, Solomon, the Bible says that these women turned his heart away from God because they worship foreign gods. So the first thing I would think about, he says, one out of a thousand men, what type of guys did he hang out with? Didn't hang out with Nathan. Didn't hang out with the Jonathans. What kind of women did he hang out with? Certainly not Deborah, the judge. Certainly not Ruth. Certainly not Mary, the woman without guile, the mother of Jesus. Certainly not women like Abigail who gave wise counsel to David. What he's talking about is his experience, his journey. He was in the wrong crowd with the wrong people. (laughs) And remember, he's writing this book at the end of the journey when he's come back to God. He's looking back over his life and he said, here's been my experience. Now he goes on to note this. Sin literally ruins our lives. In verse 29, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have turned to follow their own downward path. What he was saying is this. God created us in a way that we would have a propensity towards virtue and doing what's right. Now, that's not to negate the fact that we were born with a fallen nature and inclined to sin. But what it is saying, I believe, is this. Just like Adam and Eve made choices to sin against God and go their own way, so each one of us has committed not only sins of omissions we're not aware of, but sins of commission. We have deliberately, like our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, knowingly. And when you sin like, well, like we do as a human race, what happens, we become less and less the people of God that God intended us to be. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, in the NIV it reads, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. And In verse 20 in the New Living Translation, it says this. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. So Solomon is saying that we ruin our own lives at times. Not only are we impacted by the sin of others, we're impacted by our own sin. Now, he goes on. And I want to bring you back to the beginning because I want you to see the hand of God in the mess we make. The Bible says there are good and bad seasons during our life. Verse 14, when times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago? 
Now, here's some thoughts on the bad days. What do you do when you're having a bad day? What do you do when you're having a bad season? What might be part of God's purpose? Well, what happens when generally something bad happens? Don't you think about your sin? There's something inside of us where we recognize that we are sinners. And when bad things happen, we begin to search our hearts. And we say, God, what have I done? Have I done something? So in this culture where people seldom reflect on their lives. It's not a part of the way we live our lives. In this culture, we very rarely search our hearts. We very rarely reflect on the journey. Those bad days force us to say, now God, is there something displeasing to you? Search my heart. It does something else to us. It corrects us serves as a correction for our sinfulness. What happens is when difficult times happen and we examine our hearts, God begins to correct us and maybe we're veering off the path and maybe it has nothing to do with that particular situation we're going through, but God brings to our mind other things and we begin to say, okay, Lord, I know I now need to learn humility. I know that there's a lot of pride in my... I know, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this for the wrong reason. Or I know it, it, it corrects us. See, God gives us the days, all of our days, every one of them. In Psalm 139, it says, every one of my days was planned out before one came into being. So for the believer, the Christian, God knew the whole journey from the beginning to the end. And so when we reach those days, say, all right, Lord, speak. In those days, it enables us also to trust in Christ. Because you're put in a position where you have to go to God and say, Lord, help me. Give me guidance. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. In those times, you wind up leaning on those everlasting arms that get you through. And then I think it teaches us compassion for others. If you never got sick... If you never had a hard day, if you never had problems, if everything were just going your way, you'd look down at others and say, look what they're going through. Only if they had faith like I did. They wouldn't be sick like that. Only if they did what I did. No, no, no. God is humbling us. And in the process of humbling us, He's giving us the ability to empathize with others who go through pain. Boy, what is it like to lose a child? Unless you lose a child, you really don't know. What is it like to battle with a terminal illness? What is it like to have financial problems? What is it like to... to, to go through some dark valleys. When you get out of it, you have something to give people. 
you have an empathy and an ability to help them on the journey. And so those bad days teach us about how to take care of others as well as receiving strength for ourselves. And then finally this, it helps us to turn our eyes towards eternity. This is so important. All right, all all of you who are over 30 years old, all right, just think, what would it be like if we could just be 30 perpetually? 30, yeah, I know the hands are going to start clapping, but but just wait. (laughs) If we were all 30 perpetually, in good health and strength and the vigor of youth, and we didn't age, didn't have arthritis or didn't have, you know, uh, vision or hearing loss, didn't have this problem, that problem, would you ever want to leave this earth? Would you? I've gone into the hospital with the saints of God, and they're struggling with some terrible sickness, and they're older, and they're saying, and some of them were younger, and they said, Pastor, don't pray for me to be healed. I'm ready. I want to go to be with Jesus. See, God has so designed this life that he makes us uncomfortable. He makes us homesick because this present world is not where we're meant to stay. It's only a temporary journey. And so what God does is he uses all of these things to turn our eyes, to remind us that this whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Now, um, one of the study guides in our small groups uh, on Ecclesiastes told this story, which I'd like to share with you. He talked about a man who saw a butterfly trying to break out of a cocoon. And, and so he went over and he looked at it And this butterfly was struggling, trying to break through the cocoon. And and, and he watched a while, and it seemed like the butterfly wasn't making much progress. So very, very gently, he picked the butterfly up, helped him out of the cocoon, and put him on the ground. Now... There was mucus all over that butterfly's wings and he was wobbling along, struggling. And just in a moment, a mockingbird came flying from the sky, swooping down, picked it up and ate the butterfly. (laughs) So he thought about this and he told his friend who knew more about ecology than than he did. And and, um, his friend said, "Um, you really hurt that butterfly because it was meant to struggle. He said, there are certain creatures that God creates and their environment is so dangerous that immediately they are able to walk or fly or swim. And he said, butterfly is one of those creatures. And if it continued to struggle in the cocoon, that mucus would have come off the wings would have been strengthened and it would have been able to fly away. It's necessary that that butterfly struggle. Every 
trial is traced upon our dial, the songwriter said, by the sun of love. You may simply wonder why Solomon is saying God made both days, the good days and the bad days, the difficult times and well, the times we just were on the mountaintop. Jesus said this. I remember what it said in the book of Job about trouble, but this is what Jesus said. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is the good shepherd that has come to guide you through life. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He knows all about the journey from the beginning to the end. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He knows about the good days, standing by the Jordan, being baptized, the heavens split open, a dove descends, and the Father's voice, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well placed. Wow! He knows about the bad days driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested for 40 days. He knows about the good days. There on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appear with him, and there's a radiance on that mountain and a cloud from heaven, and the Father speaks. This is my son. Listen to him. He knows about the bad days going to preach and after he preaches they're so infuriated they try to take him and push him off a cleft he knows about the good days raising Lazarus from the dead Lazarus come forth Lazarus walks out of the tomb alive the word goes out Jesus has power to raise the dead. He knows about bad days. In a kangaroo court, falsely charged and ridiculed and mocked, the very people that welcomed him days before now shout in unison, crucify, crucify him. In utter shame and nakedness on the cross, they jeer, they ridicule him. He saved others. Save yourself. But he knows about the good days. Easter Sunday morning, when the grave can't hold them and death can't keep them. See, God knows the end that he has planned for you. The end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. That's what Solomon said. And God is not just looking at the beginning, not just looking at the middle of the journey. He is looking at the end of the journey for you, for that resurrection day when you will be raised from the dead, taken out of that grave, and you will look like your Savior because we will see 
him and we shall be like him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Ecclesiastes is a practical look at life, not sugarcoating the difficulties that can be experienced. However, the writer reminds us that God is faithful and has a greater plan for each of us. We can trust Him to bring us through and provide us the strength that we need, always. We do hope you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download, or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today. And by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God. Your Word restores.